This is Biz. I'm a stay-at-home mom with a baby boy and a daughter who's a full-blown kid. And I'm Teresa, a part-time working mom with two little boys. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, respect my personal space. Biz gets something new to love. Teresa is sad. And we talk to birthing expert Penny Simpkin. Woo! How are you, Teresa? I'm sad. I know. <laughs> sad. So, uh... <laughs> Don't be. Oh, I'm going to start crying. Oh, no. Um, Oscar starts daycare tomorrow. Oh, my God. How old is he? He's 22 months old. Okay. Tomorrow. All right. I just 22 wa- months old tomorrow. I feel like I've heard recently we have a lot of listeners who yeah. have either been binge listening or just joining halfway through. They really need us to say how we old our We should say are. how old our kids yeah. are real quick. Yeah. Because if you're binge listening, you might think our kids are... Or we're literally just born. Yeah. And they're old now. Yeah, that might be confusing. So you've got the two. Yeah, so Oscar is 22 months yep. tomorrow. Simon just turned four. And what's, okay, and Katie Bell is six, and Ellis is, I uh, guess, 21 months. He's if, 21 months. If yours is, yeah. <laughs> if yours is 22, mine's 21. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like I want to say, yeah. it seems literally like yesterday that yeah. Simon was going in. To like preschool to daycare. To really? Like to me, it doesn't. I know. Do you to it me, feels it like, feels like ancient Because you history. said, how old was Simon when he went He was in? 18 months. Again, which is blowing my mind. Yeah. Just like my whole time. And I'm I here know. with you every week. And my time continuum is totally screwed up. Time so is messed little up. baby Oscar I know. is going off to be a man. And I just, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> okay, I just need to say, like, I need to talk about this for a second. Okay. And... I'm so sensitive about it right now okay. that I'm prefacing by, like, you can't say anything to me right now that will remotely— Make it better. Do you know— Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It, whatever you say can make it better. Okay. Just don't come anywhere near the zone of, like, questioning— I'm going the to choi- Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, no, no. Or, or saying, like, well— I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I need yeah. all I need is like a pep talk. I just do you know what I mean? Teresa, this is perfect. Yes. Okay. I hear you. Thank you. And I'm going to practice this. <laughs> okay. I am here as your friend, I, Teresa. I yes. want you to tell me what's going on. Okay. Thank okay. you. I don't want him to go okay. because I really like hanging out with him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I really, really like it. It's like my best days are my days where I'm just like hanging out with him. Yeah. So I know that it's going to be good for him. Like, I know I'm not worried about him. Right. But I'm going to miss him. Yeah. And I need the time. And that's really good. But... Like, the separation is going to be hard because he's not just like, okay, bye. Like, he's—it's always hard when I leave him, even when I leave him with Jesse or the babysitter who's been with us for however long. Like, he's just—it's hard. Like, we just have a hard time saying goodbye. And, I mean— I'm usually I'm trained now, so I just go <laughs> bye. I give him a hug and a kiss, right. and I leave. I don't do the whole. He's kind of sad. Yeah. Should I stay? Should I try to make it better? Blah. I just leave. I can do that now, but like, I've never left him for that length of time right. at like a place. Like, do you know what at I mean? A place. At a place. Right. Like, if I've left him with other people, but I just. This I don't know, different. just like picturing him at the place. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just really different. And okay, one. You're doing a good job. Thanks. Two, 
take care of yourself tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Coffee. I the first day I ever did that with Katie Bell, it mm-hmm. caught me so off guard, mm-hmm. and I totally like like allow your give yourself the prep to like for it to be really hard. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And this is going to be good, and you're in control, and you're making a decision that is good for you and for your family. Yeah. And it's going to be really hard. And, yeah. And we are all here for you, all Thank of you. us. Thank you. You're doing a good job. And he's going to have fun, right? Oh, my God. Your kid is so, like, social and adorable. Yeah. They really, I don't know, something about the number two. Yeah. Like. He really likes. We're doing this in the, in the winter with Ella's. Yeah. Uh, okay. And it's going to be, and I'm right there with you. Okay. And it's, but I know, like, how awesome yeah. that kid interaction. I can just remember, like. Two weeks after Katie Bell was in it, yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so much better for her. They're it able is. to offer so much more stuff yeah. for her to do yeah. that I can't do with my kids. Yeah. You know, and my job is to do all the other stuff, the loving and the hugging and the supporting yeah. and the emotional preparation and all that stuff. Yeah. But I can't sit there and fill up a bin in the backyard and do sensory motor work with, you know, yeah. my kids all day, yeah. which they need or teach them Social interaction. Yeah. No one needs to know ABCs right now. They need to know how to deal with other kids. Yep. And it's going to be great. Okay. He's going to blossom. Thank you. And so are you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Thank you. You're welcome. How are you? Uh, You could just do what I did and get something else to love in your house. Oh, no. What did you do? We have fish. (laughs) (laughs) The most lovable of pets. Don't ask. I don't know how this happened. Fish. Like it was, it is goldfish. A, no, like little guppies. They're guppies. Okay, goldfish. I don't know. We didn't go with goldfish. Okay, we went with the guppies. Uh, guppies are like, ba- they're like gonna be big, right? No, 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 no. What are guppies? I don't like, know. They're okay. small and they're different colored, so it looks like you have a variety of fish in your tank. Cool. And you know, it started out as we're gonna go get like a beta fish, and then like Stefan casually being like, "I think it's cruel to put a fish in a tiny bowl." Uh-huh. Or, or I, I really, I thought this was more of an exercise of let's go get something for you know a fish for Katie Bell through a long series of circumstances mm-hmm. leading up to this discussion. And it'll die in a month. We'll learn about life, right? Yeah. Good night, you know. Goodbye, flush. Yeah. This bothered Stefan, which then kept me up all night okay. thinking about it. Yeah. Which then led to. Well, should we just get like a gallon size tank? Well, it needs a filter. Oh, okay. So maybe we should like a five. I have a oh five gallon god. tank. Oh my god! Filter the whole nine yards with four. Fish. Where is it in your house? It's like between. It's not like we have that big a house. I right? know. I'm like you know, trying it's like to picture that. We have like this little like you know <laughs> counter that's yeah. between the kitchen and the den, and it's okay. right there. Okay. Family photos gone. Yeah. Giant. <laughs> Fucking fish tank. In uh, the fish, the fish's names are Potato Chip, mm-hmm. uh, Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. uh, Eyes, mm-hmm. and Leopard Tail. Awesome. We, we all got to name a fish. You each got to name. Of course, a fish. we did. Did uh, Ellis name Eyes? Yeah, Ellis named oh, Eyes. So cute. Uh, Stefan Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Katie Bell was Leopard Tail, mm-hmm. and I was Potato Chip. I love it. I think a fish should be named Potato Chip. You know chip. what? Kids should name all pets. I agree. I still remember the names of my and my sister's first goldfish, <laughs> which were Birthday, yeah, Lunchbox, and Pim. Yeah, well, I was getting, see, those are good. I was getting a little, I was like, Katie Bell, what do you got to name him? And she's like, Leopard. And I was like, that's not good enough. <laughs> 
being the exotic it's not weird names. enough. It's <laughs> not name it Aunt Helen Michelle. Uh, <laughs> anyway, now we have more living things in the fucking house that will probably yeah. live into big. You go look it up, and they're like they, they live, live forever. forever. Yeah, they're gonna be with you. Like Kabel's going off to college. <laughs> Blush. Say goodbye to the fish. I'm, I'm, who knows? Who knows how emotionally attached I'm gonna get to fucking fish. Uh, anyway. Speaking of emotionally attached, or more so being attached. Physically attached. Physically attached. Let's talk today about our need for personal space. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Biz and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Teresa. Yes. I'm not touching you. No. I'm not touching you. 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 I'm not in your space. I'm not touching you. Swear, flashback to my sister, like, standing over me, like, trapped underneath her. I'm not touching you. Like, just threatening to touch you? Like, holding the finger? Yeah, yeah, the finger. Or the, like, and then saying, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Oh, that. How about tickle torture? How about just beating the shit out of each other? Whatever. Sisters. <laughs> anyway, personal space. Mm-hmm. I thought today we would start with a, with a journey through the personal space that our children mm. uh, began to take a, have no respect for. Yeah. Your personal space. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. They don't I, know what's... Katie, as Katie Bell is six, I am beginning to really come to grips with the fact that this kid just doesn't give two shits about what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> she's not listening to anything uh-huh. or retaining. Mm-hmm. No, no longer is she a sponge. Mm-hmm. She's more of like some sort of vinyl, mm-hmm. piece of vinyl, just like things just rolling off of her, <laughs> uh, puddling at her feet, and then she trashes the house with it. So when they are babies, who oh, can I get enough of kissing? Oh, just be kiss on my body all the oh, time, forever. Hugs and kisses, yeah. hugs and kisses. Except when it's like really hot and sweaty. Well, like, yeah, but like, even then you're still like, well, yeah. no, when it's hot and sweaty, it's pretty horrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah. overall, it's all about, you're like, it's almost like you're teaching them physical affection. Yeah, you yeah. are kissing and you yeah. are hugging and you are all those things. And it is wonderful. Yeah. And everyone should do it. Yeah, and it smells good. It smells good and it feels good. Hugs and kisses. (laughs) Um, What was affection like in your family? Were you guys an affectionate family growing up? Yeah, pretty like huggy. You guys were huggy? Were you kissy? Not really. We didn't do a lot of kissing. I mean, like maybe a kiss on the cheek at bedtime or a kiss on the forehead or something like that. But definitely hugs. Hugs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And cuddles. Okay. My my younger sister, though, would like never cuddle with me. I always tried to cuddle Ah. with her or like (laughs) lean my head on her shoulder. And she would just like, I still remember the feeling of her shoulder going up into my ear (laughs) to get me off of her body. That is like Katie Bell and Ella. She's like, why won't you love me? It's just like, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yep. Um, yeah, we were... Uh, it must always be like that. Because, yeah. like, it's the same with Simon uh, and Oscar, only the other way around. Like, si- uh, Oscar wants to be touching Simon mm. all the time, and Simon's like, ah, get him off me! Get used to it, everybody. Yeah. Well, because uh, I guess it would be weird for kids to be, like, totally evenly matched in terms of, like, how much affection they want, right? right? Like, yeah. everybody's different, so obviously one is going to be more 
touchy than the other. That is why it is so disappointing once you have another child that they yeah. don't match exactly what the first one is God like. damn it. Damn it. So uh, ours, okay, I can remember being times like when my father would come home from work, like running and picking me up and me kissing him on the head and mm-hmm. hugs, like a, a little. Yeah. Little where you can still yeah, be, picked be picked up. up. And yeah. then there was a day where that just wasn't happening anymore. Yeah. I don't really remember hmm. kissing my parents either. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and then it's like some hugs. But there was like a long span of like teenage time. Not sure, like how much hugging was happening. Yeah, <laughs> it's like almost like you know, like my father's big like thing of affection is like pat me on the knee. Yeah, I love you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. like that. Like that is like oh. Yeah. Um, so we weren't like super affectionate. Stefan's family very affectionate. Hmm. They are like they. Is that a Swedish thing? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it's Swedish. Maybe it's just them. Let's just assume it is. They. Um, no, they're very affectionate. Like uh-huh. even through adulthood, uh-huh. lots of physical contact, lots of all that. So when we had Katie Bell, there was like a little. Like I realized, we sort of had to have a discussion about how physical we're being. Oh, with uh-huh. the kids because I wasn't used to always seeing so much displays of affection with kids. Yeah, with your first kid. Yeah. Then I got over it and I was like, "Come in." Yeah. You know, and then especially when Ellis came along, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna hug you and kiss you and love you until you can't stand it." <laughs> um. So I wanted to talk a little bit about like sort of our own personal histories because, yeah, as they grow it. up, I yeah. think it plays into it. Yeah. Um. Because I don't think I ever thought about how. That would change as the kids got older, mm, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Until my kid, yeah, got older. So what? What okay. is? Where are we? Because I remember you talk. I always think of Katie Bell as like the way she was when she was like a toddler, which right. was like very no unaffectionate. Like, yeah. do not touch me. Yeah, because Katie Bell's a baby. Like literally, the first sentence she learned that we had to teach her was "No touch, Katie mm-hmm. Bell." Like, she did not like if kids touched her. If you went up and like. You know, like parents are like, "Come on, move over here," and like mm-hmm. people just touch kids all the fucking oh, time. Oh yeah, They're just moving them around. Oh yeah, she would like freeze and like fl- flip out. Uh, and so we just worked on it with her individually, and mm-hmm. the rest of the world could go to hell if they mm-hmm. wanted to touch my child. Yeah. And then she had about five, the end of four, mm-hmm. going into five, and she became really affectionate. Oh, like she wanted the kisses and the hugs, all that. I wonder if that was around the time that Ellis the popped Ellis, up. Yeah. yeah. I know. I wonder if that played um, into that. So like super affectionate, and she wanted to touch everybody. Anybody could touch her, and she could touch anybody. And here is the thing. Here is the shift. <laughs> When they are little babies, it is easy to have them crawling all over you and jumping on you and hugging you well, and kissing. I mean, to a degree. Yeah. They are like max 20-something pounds. Well, and you expect them to right. do it, and you don't feel you need to teach them to do otherwise. Right. Like, I, it seems appropriate I, at that age. I never thought I was yeah. going to have to teach this at all. It's just like yeah. one of those surprise things, like yeah. six-year-old molars. Like, yeah, yeah. whoa, where'd those come from? Yeah. She now... She has zero sense of my personal space. Oh. And it's so, like, aggressive. Oh. It's, like, aggressive. And there are, like, lots of things happening. So, one, she's, like, up in my face. Like, uh-huh. hey, you know, like, I'm yeah. going to give you a kiss. But she's, like, already, as she's yeah. saying that or saying hug, she's, like, an inch from my face. Uh-huh. Like in in my face, yeah. <laughs> or she's like hugs, and then she like pulls me really hard, uh-huh. or she like jumps on me physically hard, hmm. or she'll be trying to hug Ellis, and she's like pulling him down, you know, from my yeah. arms and stuff like. Like it's there, so there's this like no sense of her own strength and yeah. how it's affecting people, 
And or like testing it too. Yeah, like, I don't know if it's testing it. And she also kind of, you know, I don't think that children are manipulative assholes. I think it takes mm-hmm. years and years of development mm-hmm. to become training. That. Training. But she is smart enough to know that like if she wants me to stop disciplining her yeah. or she just is done with whatever conversation I'm having with her about brushing her teeth or whatever. Yeah. Hugs. Huggies. <laughs> huggies. Kisses. And I, I, I used to have a real problem saying no. Right. Hugs, you wouldn't no, want to say no to that. to say no to a hug not. and a kiss? Especially from a kid who originally didn't like being right. touched. It's like, of course, you want a hug? Of course. Yeah. I'll drop whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Give you a hug and a, yeah. No hugs and kisses till yeah. bedtime. Yeah. Right? Like, because they're, like, we, we realize that we had to start setting limits. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's a little different for Stefan because he can take the beating a little bit more. Mm, yeah. And I will say that this brought up a lot of issues for me based on my past you know, sexual traumas from, mm-hmm. from the rape from yeah. a million years ago. Yeah. Boundaries. I, like, boundaries. Good, yeah. Serious boundaries. Yeah. And, like, sometimes it really catches me off guard Whoa. if she's, like, way up on me yeah. and, like, in my mouth space and yeah. my eye space and my breathing space. Yeah. And I get, like, this fight or flight sense really fast. Mm. And I have to really control it from not just picking her up. And putting her away from me, right? Yeah. You don't want to shove your child away from you when they're trying to show you affection. And you don't want to say, I don't love you. I mean, not I don't love you, but I, I won't kiss you or I won't hug you, right? Yeah. So we've really been trying to work hard on how to set up these boundaries. And, and it just, like, switched. And here's the thing is it seems to be going on with lots of five, five six-year-olds. Uh-huh. Like when she has a play date or at school, yeah. they are hugging each other into death locks. Yeah. You know, like, you just see the hug and you're like, you're going down to the cement <laughs> with this hug. Like, that is a, and, you know. I've noticed that with the girls in Simon's class. It's yeah. all the girls, it's none the of girl, the boys. Yeah. The girls, every day, it really surprised me, but they're, you know, they're like four, so yeah. it's getting towards that age. Yeah. But, like, every time they see each other, they're like, ah! And they hug and like they have to keep hugging every time a new girl shows yeah. up. Everybody hugs and like it's like it's, like a, it's, it's like a, really intense. It's like a rugby huddle at times. Yeah, where they're like hugging and shoving each other. Yeah, like back and totally. Forth. Yeah, it's really aggressive. Yeah. Do you have the kids started invading your personal space at all? Um, eh, a little. I think. Yeah, I think <laughs> Simon definitely does the um. Like, you were talking about Katie Bell. Like, if you were disciplining her, she would ask for, like, hugs in the middle. Yeah. So Simon's thing is that at bedtime, he will ask for a thousand hugs to get me to not leave the room. <laughs> right. And um, you can put you in that situation of, it's like, really awkward. please stay because I'll go, like, yeah. and if tomorrow's the day that, you know, something yeah. horrible happens, yeah. will I kill myself for yeah. not giving her one last hug yeah. just because I want to go out and get some work done. Right. right. I know. And the worst is like, so he'll <laughs> give me hugs and it's not like this at any other time of day. Like he does, he does like hugs and yeah. he will cuddle with me sometimes. But like, at bedtime, he's, like, squeezing the shit yeah. out of me, like, to the point where it kind of hurts. hurts. And I try not to make a big deal out of it because I don't want him to, like, 
feed off of it at all. Like, I don't want him to see it, like, working in any way for him. So it's very much just like, okay, I really like this hug, but that's a little tight. Actually, that doesn't really feel very good. And, like... Um, and then he'll be like, uh-huh, and he gets like all giggling, yeah. and like I want a thousand hugs, and I want to hug you forever. Right. And it's like I love hugging you, but now it's time for me to go out. <laughs> but the worst <laughs> is when he will grab my arm oh. and will hold on to me until and yeah, and like I I did like one time I like pu- extracted yeah. my arm and I was like it felt so awful yeah. that I was like I don't want to do that again. I'm gonna try. Not to have to do that because that feeling, it's that feeling of if I die tonight. But it's that feeling of just your kid wanting you and you're pulling as hard as you can away from your kid. It's just like an icky. But it's such a fine line because it's really being aggressive to you. And as an individual, you also don't want to be hurt. I don't. It's a horrible place to be. I totally don't. But I think it also... It really, like, depends on your kid, too. Yeah. Because, like, Simon is so not aggressive, yeah. like, as a right. kid. Like, he's just he's just pretty chill. Like, he's just yeah. not. Do you know what I mean? And so I've been trying to just, if he's tightening his grip, mm-hmm. it's actually, I mean, it's basically the same thing. But I'll sit, I'll sit down and I'll wait until I see an opening where yeah. he's not touching me. And I get up and I move away mm. before he can grab me. So wow. that it's like... It's so it that just doesn't sense. become a thing. So we're just talking and I'll just get up and yeah. move. And then he'll, sometimes he'll reach for me at that point. And I'm like, it's okay. I'll yeah. be back, you know. But the reaching <laughs> I can handle better than like, I'm the extracting pulling. my arm yeah. away from you. Um, but yeah, he will also like, we've had to start talking about like private parts and yeah. stuff. I mean, well, we've been talking about private parts all yeah, along, but, but his, we've been talking about oh. his private parts, not so much about mine. Cause he's used to seeing mine and right. whatever. But there's also like a weird thing about the line between these are body parts. These are private parts. Totally. And you can't touch them. Totally. <laughs> well, and I think he started to figure out that yeah. it wasn't okay. But like, it was just funny because like last night he was like kind of poking me, and he's like <laughs> poking. He's like, where? why can I not? Well, in the chest. Yeah, no, and, Katie, but yeah. And he's like, and I'm like, you know, that doesn't feel good. Don't right. You know, don't do that. And so we kind of had to discuss. He's not usually very physical with me in that right. way. It was like I don't know why that came up, but I had to basically explain like these are like. That was okay, like, when you were a baby. Like, right. you were, because we've talked about, like, that's where milk comes from right. for babies. And, like, he used to nurse. And I said, you know, now that you're not a baby anymore and you don't do that anymore and Oscar doesn't do that anymore, these are now my private parts again. They are not for you. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, the same right. way, like, we wouldn't touch each other. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you just wouldn't do that. Yeah, we don't do that. Culturally, it is not acceptable. Yeah. Right. And it just doesn't, yeah. And he was like, okay, like, that's cool. But it was still. Uh, wait till he gets to be like a year older and he starts thinking that shit's funny. Because, like, oh, I mean, yeah. like, and that's the, like, that's the line. Like, that's yeah. the line. And I know I've spoken about this on the show before, uh-huh. but it plays so much into this that, like, Steph and I have to be really on our game about this. And neither of us always are. Mm. Uh, it is the turning that stuff into a game, into a joke. Yeah. You know, like you're tickling or you're hugging or you're kissing and uh, the kid says, no, stop it. And and even if they're laughing, you keep going. I mean, like like, always like, oh, no, no, no. I've come around the corner so many times saying, she said no, you know. And even then Katie Bill will be like, there'll be times where she was like, we were just playing. And I'll say, but that's 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 not a way to to play. Yeah. 
you know, no means you want somebody to stop. Yeah. If you don't want somebody to stop, you don't say no. Yeah. Uh, and like, uh, because it's setting that up completely, not only for the future, yeah. but I, we also try and apply it to her friends. I mean, like, it's amazing. Again, like I said, she's like vinyl right now. Every day we talk minimum 10 times a day. We talk about personal space. Oh, God. Bell, really? This is, oh, it, I mean, it's it's like, especially like, let's say, the good night song at night. At night, yeah. she gets out of the bath, you know, she and her dad, like, uh, she and her dad. She and Stefan, <laughs> that guy who shows up. She and Stefan, like, do all the, you know, post-bath mm. stuff, brushing teeth, all that. And then she'll come and I'll sing her good night song. And then they'll go to her room to read books, to go to sleep. Uh, it's like their time. Mm. Uh, and she always comes in and she, like, jumps on me and she's like in my face like as close as you can get kisses hugs and talking or whatever and I'm like Katie Bell let's remember um you know mama has personal space you have personal space and right now you're you know making it you're in my space and Mm -hmm. it doesn't make our time together uh fun for Mm -hmm. me and I want our you know good night song and our good night time to be special for both of us so in order to do that, we have to respect each other's space. So when you come, sit, I mean, this is like where it's gotten. It's mm-hmm. gotten now where I have to be like, you can't sit in my lap. You have to sit here. Mm-hmm. And then you can snuggle against me, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there are no kisses or hugs until after the song. Because mm-hmm. like I'd be singing and she would like get up yeah. in my face. And, <laughs> you know, and here's this weird thing is that she sees her father and I kiss. And we're not, I mean, we're not like running around like making out in front mm-hmm. of the kids, but we occasionally kiss. Mm-hmm. And she sees the movies where mm-hmm. like people kiss in movies. Mm-hmm. So like her kiss try out oh. right now is to like lean Lock in, lips. lean in and tilt head Whoa. and like the whole thing, which is weird when Whoa. your kid does it. And I totally understand why she's right. doing it. So but funny you, though. But you're just like, it's you're just so like, funny. like, this is not, we're not kissing. Like yeah. This. Like oh, I am totally so fine. To, yeah. But like, it is also really off-putting at the end of a long right. day. Completely. Like I cannot sing this song to you. No. I'm not about to kiss you That's passionately. That's so right? funny. So like, it is like this constant struggle, but the point of this is we talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, especially with her brother, no respect for Ellis saying no to her and like his physical space. A friend will come over and they will hug her so hard or pick her up or whatever. Yeah. And then she will get upset and I will say, okay, let's remember we always ask each other if we want hugs. We ask each other if we want to kiss goodbye. Do you see how you felt when she wasn't, you know, listening to you? That is how she feels when you are hugging her without permission. Yeah. And then I swear, this happened literally this weekend. And after we go through this whole thing with both kids, they then, do either of you want to hug anymore? No. And then they proceed to chase each other around, try and hug each other in a really physical, aggressive way. Wow. It was exhausting. I. It seems like, I mean, it seems like from my perspective, yeah. because I'm not in that, like, it really sounds like she's learning a lot right now. I Do you know what I'm so. saying? I hope she's no, taking it no, in. No, I yeah. think she's not just not just from her talks with you, but like every interaction with her friends. They those kids are like figuring some shit out right now. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because I remember like being like uh you know fifth grade sixth grade seventh grade and you would like come to school and like hug your yeah. friends but like by that age you like know how to do it right you like figure <laughs> yes, out that's it. no they don't so know they how don't to know do how it. to do it yeah. but this is them learning how to do it and yeah. they're making a lot of mistakes oh it's just <laughs> do like, you know what I mean uh, but like it seems 
it seems like it's it seems right actually. Yeah, that, no, that I guess this you're should right. be part of it. Yeah, you know? it's part of it, and I, you know, I, I know that for me personally. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how this goes with Ellis. Yeah. You know, like to see if it's a thing I know. about boys versus girl or first versus second or like whatever, yeah. each individual child, whatever, nature, nurture. But uh, it will be interesting. Like what I'm trying to work on yeah. is my tone when I address it. Yeah. And I think that's like the hardest yeah. thing like, yeah. ever because there really are times of the day where you're like, don't touch me. Yeah. I know because you you really this is so important. It's it is. so important, and you do you're having a visceral reaction yeah. sometimes. So you it's like that's just happening, but at the same time, obviously, you're just like it's my baby. Like yeah. I want her to be able to like come to me whenever she wants. A hug. Like obviously, but I you're just you're doing such a good job. I mean, mm. that's just. Do you think like sometimes like this is something about like the new normal, but like. Do you think we sometimes, because, like, there is that whole mentality of, like, it gets easier, it gets right. better, whatever. And as your kids get older, they can do more things on their own and, you know, whatever, whatever. Badly. But, like, I think, like, sometimes we don't, and maybe this is just for our own mental health, but we don't, like, ever anticipate, like, Nothing. the future problems. Like, we don't anticipate anything getting harder. And, like, by nature, some things will be harder yeah. at some times. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's not I ever well, I just... I think that plays into... This was a definitely a great example of the conversation where I really had to work on not being funny and saying, yet... To everything right. you said about your kids. Right. You know, you're like, you know, Oscar's really mellow. I mean, Simon's really mellow. And, right. You know, he's right like really now. nice. I know, yeah. like right now. And it's really hard for me not to be like, yes, yeah. Yeah. you just wait. Yeah. You know, I mean, because I have no idea, but it makes me feel better to totally. say yet. Well, but it's also, <laughs> so it it's also no probably possibly true. Like, I mean, Who knows? no, that's the yeah. thing. It's like, it's just like everything. We just, we think we know our kids for some reason. And like, we're wrong. We're proven wrong. Like, time and time. <laughs> again <laughs> good job us just because we physically made you inside of our bodies and have tried to love you and support you and nurture you you know these heaven forbid two to six years yeah yeah <laughs> we know nothing about you or what you're about to go through god help us when puberty comes <laughs> Hey, Teresa, you know who likes to sleep? Who? Moms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is why One Bad Mother is supported in part by Casper, an online retailer of premium, obsessively engineered mattresses at shockingly fair prices. And you, in fact, actually have a relatable story to this. Yeah, Jesse and I got a new mattress when I was pregnant with Oscar, and we were super pumped about it. Uh, and we put a lot of effort into picking our mattress, <laughs> and then... We both secretly hated it, but we didn't tell each other because we felt guilty. <laughs> and we thought the other person liked it. But then we confessed to each other, nice. and we were both really happy to learn that we were both ready to get rid of this stupid fucking mattress. <laughs> and actually, now we're sleeping on a Casper mattress. That's guys. awesome. And it's really, genuinely, truly very nice. Wonderful. 
Casper has a risk-free trial and return policy. You can try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns, which is a big deal with mattresses. And these mattresses are made in America. That is true. And One Bad Mother listeners can get 50 bucks towards any mattress purchase if you go to casper.com slash badmother, all one word, casper.com slash badmother, and just use the promo code badmother at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time. Teresa, Mm -hmm. I would like to hear your genius. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. I amazingly, magically, powerfully swerved, slammed on my brakes, and avoided a horrible car accident this morning on the way to work. It was... It it was... This woman was, like, in the median and just didn't, like, hear or see me coming. And so I was driving along, and she just decided to turn Turn. into the lane. Like, she just didn't look to see if anyone was coming. Right. And, I mean, I was in another place. I was, like, listening to Throwing Shade, like, driving along, (laughs) like, thinking about the drop-off at pre— Like, I was by myself in the car. And I was just, like, all—it was— complete physical reaction. I don't think I've ever actually had one of those where it was like my body acted before my brain had time to figure out what was going on. And the car made the full like screech and like the the brakes did the like double like the jerky herky jerky stop. And I was like slamming on my horn and she stopped and she stopped and I stopped and but it was so close. And then I had the like all the physical reaction to it. (laughs) Right. And whatever. Genius moment just being I felt really proud of myself. Yeah. Like after that, I was like, oh, like my reactions, my body, my reflexes (laughs) still are functional. And like I was able to do. I don't know. Good job surviving an almost car crash. Yeah. Thank you. Good job. Uh, my genius is uh, I'm taking Katie Bell to school this morning. Uh, the kids, both kids are in the car. I'm mm-hmm. taking Katie Bell to drop her off at the school. And Stefan had already left for work and I get the call. I get a call mm-hmm. while I'm driving. It's Stefan. So mm-hmm. uh, that never Better happens. Pick up. Yeah. Yeah. So I answer it. And my first thing is, are you okay? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I'm okay. But he had forgotten something at home. And he, when he came back home, when he pulled up around the driveway, he got a flat tire. Oh. Luckily, right in front of our house. We both have car-related yeah, ones Yeah, car-related today. ones Weird. today. Well, yours made me think of this oh, okay. uh, a little bit. Oh, okay. uh, but anyway, so my genius moment was, he was just like, do you think we should, I, sh- I could change this tire? Do you think I can do this? T-? And I was like, you know what? When do you have to be at work? He's like, well, we leave for a meeting in two hours. I was just like, I was just very proud of myself for like, you know, call Uber. Oh, Get yeah. Uber back and forth. Yeah. You know what? I'll deal with your flat tire today yeah. when I come home. Uh, we're going to pay somebody to come and fix it. Yeah. And because I don't want either one of us trying to be heroes changing it oh, and then yeah. driving on the interstate. We don't know how to do that. No. <laughs> That's no. okay. Good job. Good but job it, knowing that. Yeah. But it was just like one of those things where it could have been like, oh, then the whole day is going to be, and I know it's going to yeah. be late. Then like the, and yeah. I've got to get to, I have to get to work. I'm, yeah. as soon as I get home, I have to get in the car and go. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it just was like, no, we're a team. Gonna treat us like a team. Good 
job. So, yeah. Love it. Thank you. Well done. I am the mother of a 20-month-old boy, and last night we were so tired of what is becoming a daily bedtime battle that my husband and I, at bedtime, put the kid in the car and drove to a Starbucks drive through and had a drive and coffee date while he fell asleep in the car and then just put him in bed when we got home. And at first, I was ashamed to uh, have failed at sleep training. But then when I thought about it, I thought it was a pretty good genius tip. So thanks for the show. I love listening. Bye, guys. It's it's so such cool. a great genius. It's great. Not every night has to be fucking sleep training. No. You know what I mean? No. Like, or any of it. Not every day has to be fixing or the, the thing. The, the rocking the, and the, rocking the swing the, yeah. and the singing and the shushing and the books over and yeah. over. Just, Sometimes, yes. if, your a kid, break. if your yeah. kid falls asleep in the car and you can physically transfer your child, which is all magical to the children in my house. <laughs> uh, but if you have that special mm-hmm. gift, you pull that out when you oh, can, yeah. man. A coffee Good, date? And the coffee oh, I love dates. it. You went together. Yeah. You a team. Yeah, you weren't this. just like, I'm taking the kid out. <laughs> you take the kid out. You went together. Yeah. Love it. I love that. Yeah. Good job. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. I lost the little <laughs> note with all the list of who gave Simon what for his birthday, <laughs> for his birthday party. Nice. Which I like painstakingly took. Yeah. yeah it's gone. Just gone. Yeah. Yeah. And now I just feel like an asshole. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, just suck. It sucks. See, that's a bad etiquette mom mode. It move. is. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, and you should feel ashamed of yourself. I do. You are failing as a mother. You will enjoy this. Okay. Okay. I realize this is a fail. Okay. I cannot stop myself from calling my kids farts out. What? Okay, this is this is how we are. No one else does this, I think. Okay. When people poot around me that uh-huh. I live with in my house, yeah. I'm like, did you just poot? Was that you? Oh, That's like horrible. calling them out That's on it? That's a horrible smell. I call everybody out on it. I can't stop it. And they're all horrible. Everyone in my, everything in my house poops, clearly. But they all, Katie Bells, are just like <laughs> nightmares. And like you'll be driving or you're like... And you're just like trapped in the car suddenly, and I or like you're like making dinner, and she yeah. like just walks up, and like it's there, yeah. or like out of the <laughs> stepping was getting her out of the chat the other night, put lotion on her, and he was like, oh well, my I, god, I can hear it in the other room, oh and she's just god. like whatever, because you shouldn't be like a shame. I love, of these I'm things. sorry, but I love the image of Stefan lotioning her, yeah. and then just, she just, and like I thought. He was ripping the bath mat out of the off the tub, you know, the suction cups, blah, 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 blah. and like it. It's bad enough that, like, poor Stefan can't walk to the house without me being like, Jesus Christ! Yeah. But Katie Bell— You have, like, a really I have a terribly very, good sense uh, yeah, of smell. I have it's a, really a curse. It, a oh, no, it is. It is. Rarely is it used to <laughs> suss out gas breaks, right? It's just—and I, I, the more I say it to her, the more I'm like, I need— to just yeah. not say it. Yeah. Because this You need to stop. I need to physically she's stop She's going to be like afraid of it or embarrassed something about it. Or something bad is going to come out of this. Yeah. And I don't mean the smell. Like it's going to be, <laughs> I cannot control myself. All right. Now that you've said it here. Yes. I think you're going to stop. I'm really going to Because you've stop. said it here and now we all know. Yeah. I don't do it to her about anything else. It's yeah. not like, why are you doing this? No. I'm just like, no. Jesus. 
Yeah. Why that smell? It ends today. It ends today, guys. It ends today. <laughs> Hi, ladies. Here's a fail for you. I was on top of things today. I got food in the crock pot. My two toddlers were being good. I thought today was going to be an awesome day. They laid down to sleep. I laid down, take a nap with them. Just five minutes ago, my husband came home to wake me up and to tell me that everything in the crock pot needs to be thrown away. And I said, why? And he said, because it was never plugged in. It sat on my counter for six hours, and I never plugged it in. Yep, that's a fail. Guess we're going out to eat tonight. Bye. Love you guys. Okay. That is a, that that's a, that's a phenomenal sucks. fail. Yeah. But, like, in listening to this, yeah. I also just envision the husband coming up. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what your husband sounds yeah. like, by the way. Yeah. But in my hey, wake up. Yeah. <laughs> wake up! Wake up! You didn't. You didn't turn on the crock Everything pot. Everything in the crock pot has to be thrown away. You're gonna need to physically get up and fix this problem. <laughs> I know you probably need a lot of sleep. Clearly, because you didn't plug in the crock pot. But oh, wake up! I know this is not what he sounds like. Stefan had heard the call and he was like, "This is a two-part fail because the other fail is that like your husband came in probably thinking it's a good idea to wake you up to inform you of this horrible mistake yeah. you made. It's not. No, you should have just quietly just taken care of it and, just and been like, the "We're going out. Surprise! Yeah, surprise. The pizza's here." But yeah. I just love the vision. I can just see like. Because Steph and I have had those moments where he's like, hey, this thing's not happening. Yeah. You know, and you're uh, like, really? Really? Thank you so much that's, for telling me that's that. That's great. Yeah. I already have two small children come in and yeah. stop me from doing things all day. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, that good, totally sucks. Good job, At boy. least you had a fun day. Yeah, yeah. Seems like you had a fun day. You at least were well-rested for the rest of your horrible evening. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> you horrible mother. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. Teresa. Yes? Let's call a mom. Great. Oh, yes. This week we are calling Penny Simpkin, uh, PT, who is a physical therapist who has specialized in childbirth education and labor support since 1968. She estimates she has prepared over 13,000 women, couples, and siblings for childbirth, which is unbelievable. She has assisted hundreds of women and couples through childbirth as a doula. She's also the author or co-author of books for both parents and professionals, including, and I'm going to list these guys because I do think these are important to know about, The Labor Progress Handbook, Pregnancy, Childbirth, and the Newborn. Uh, the Complete Guide, When Survivors Give Birth, Understanding and Healing the Effects of Early Sexual Abuse on Childbearing Women, and The Birth Partner, A Complete Guide to Childbirth for Dads, Doulas, and All Other Labor Companions, which I think is is really genius. Um, She's also the founder of Dona International, which was formerly Doulas of North America, and Patch, which is P-A-T-T-C-H, which is Prevention and Treatment of Traumatic Childbirth. Uh, it is basically very easy to say without joking that she wrote the book on giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Welcome to our show, uh, Penny Simpkin. Thank you. Thank, thank you. And I, I, I want to clarify that I'm a co-founder of DONA, of oh. of North America, DONA International. Thank co-founder, you. Co-founder, one of five. Oh, wonderful. <clears throat> thank you. Yep. 
The first thing that we always start off with our guests is a question, uh, who lives in your house? Well, I do. <laughs> um, and my, my husband, partner of uh, 57 years, lives with us, with me, and uh, my little dog, Lola, my pug. Oh, Lola. <laughs> Lola. Uh, and you have, you had four kids, is that correct? That's right. Uh-huh. And a, a, a passel of grandchildren. <laughs> I have eight grandchildren. <laughs> and, uh, and I have two grandchildren-in-law, which is uh, a wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, who knows, maybe some more on the way in another generation before <laughs> too many years have passed. Well, I want us to start. We, you really have been doing this for a very long time, and really are. It's we don't tend to like to throw around the word expert a lot because you know that's it, hard to define sometimes. But I do think Teresa and I both agree that if there was an expert on giving birth, you would be it to us well. and to lots and lots of people out there who've read your books um, and come to you for help. And so I, we really want to focus on your expertise and get your thoughts on some things. And I guess the first one is we would love to hear your thoughts on how someone prepares for their first birth experience. And, you know, I, I said to Teresa, well, isn't it really just any birth experience? And she said, well, there's a special not knowing with your first birth, that <laughs> just like a really big void of you have no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. And then thanks to the internet, we can go on and read a million things that may not actually help us feel as prepared as we want to be or, or scare the patootie out of us. Uh, how do we prepare for this? What, are, what, what is your advice on this? Well, my, oh my, <clears throat> I feel that probably today's uh, expectant parents are, uh, they're more flooded with information than ever before. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But the um, the inability or the ability to sift through the wheat from the chaff is yeah. is the the sad and horrible part of all this. And you're right; people can get terrified. And usually, the direction they go usually is uh, toward more technology, more uh, intervention, and uh, more surgery. Um, I have a I have a term for technology, drugs, and and surgery. TDS or tedious. Um, I think that's pretty clever. <laughs> that is very clever. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the, the I, I think that uh, the, the um, there's quite a division in in the uh, internet ac- the internet information accessible, etc. But the the problem is that um, it, it's very hard to know who's a, a true authority who really is uh, thinking broadly and uh, applying some science to their thought. And who is is uh, addressing this from emotion? I, I worry terribly about um, about people using the internet as their, their for their education mm-hmm. without some guidance. There are wonderful websites online that uh, can be very very helpful, and then there are others that are uh, terrifying, untruthful, um, fear mongering, etc. So I don't want people to rely on the internet. <laughs> that's a good first piece uh, of okay. advice. Right? Yeah, I think that down. And, um, and, and, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, Childbirth Connection published has published three uh, surveys of mothers called Listening to Mothers. And the last, uh, the last sur- survey, they asked uh, the women where they get their information. And they didn't even list books mm. as a source, which I was astounded by. But maybe it's because nobody reads books anymore. <laughs> uh, but 
um, they, they did. Uh, they, they got most of their information from their care providers, mm-hmm. uh, and then the second was I think friends, uh, experienced mothers. Third, I think, was childbirth classes. I could be wrong on this. And then fourth was the internet. So I'm, I'm heartened, but that it wasn't um, right up there. Um, but the, the thing, as a childbirth educator, I wish I could force everybody to take a good childbirth class uh, during uh, the, that first pregnancy. The the idea is to um, is to help the parents formulate their uh, preferences, uh, their own opinions, uh, the uh, the kind of people they are, because there's so many choices. There there are choices available for the person who wants to be self reliant who uh, is a seeker of information, uh, who is willing to do work to prepare. There are also good choices available for people that really uh, want to rely on someone else's expertise. Mm-hmm. I, I love teaching these classes, and I love fielding the questions, and I love addressing the concerns that expectant parents have. Uh, and and I, I wish that they could all take a class that is kind of paced, uh, you know, so it's not... Uh, a one-day class, um, and offers options, has respect for the parents' points of view, and is is competent to answer questions that they have in a in a useful way. May I may I interrupt you for a moment? I, that, yeah. That's a given. Your experience teaching these classes is there. What's the biggest question that you get? I mean, is there one that sort of rises every time that seems universal? Well, I. I I, I'm going to answer you with two two questions that come up, and one is um, the pain question: How much is it going to hurt? <laughs> right. And uh, a corollary to that is: When can I have my epidural? <laughs> um, and that then was me. the <laughs> and then the second is doubts about anybody but a top flight obstetrician in terms of competence mm-hmm. and um, safety. Uh, you know, in, in other words, midwives, for example, or family doctors who who offer maternity care, there's a, a, a distrust, I think, and a, a question about competence of anyone that hasn't had all this surgical training and four years of residency, et cetera. I think the, the uh, fear of pain, safety doesn't seem to be much of a question for most people. Wow. If, they've, if they've had a friend who had a stillbirth or if a family member, you know, if, if uh, their mother had had a stillbirth, that's tops on the list, but I, I think that most people assume that they're going to come out of it well, and and that um, however they give birth is going to be perfectly safe. You know, cesarean is just as safe as a vaginal birth, um, and being induced uh, early uh, is is just as good as waiting for the baby to start labor. Uh, there there are a lot of assumptions that it really doesn't matter as long as you're uh, in good hands, you're going to have the safe birth, and so. I want people to feel a little more responsibility and to see some of the nuances of some of the choices they make. Listening to you talk about the childbirth classes and the fact that people don't ask about safety, it really does bring up this question about, you know, we're maybe this is generational across the board, but um, it feels like right now we feel so safe as you're saying, given all the information we're surrounded about, that we don't think about the safety questions and we don't think about the preparation for this really monumental, you know, and it's the same as like most surgeries. Like, oh, you're having open heart surgery? I'll just go in and have it. 
I'm not, <laughs> not going to do any yeah. research about it. Is that something, is, is that been, since you've been doing this for so long, is is that something that has changed given the advance of technology? Or has that, have we always just felt like we're happy to go into things blind and everything will be okay? Yeah. That, you know, <clears throat> I should be able to answer that. <laughs> I, haven't, um, I haven't really thought about, yeah. um, you know, the, the difference is, you know, because I started teaching 47 years ago, my gosh, people at that time, uh, natural birth was much more of a given. Right. Um, and people who were who knew that they were going to have a natural birth were wanting to learn how to do it. Um, but I, I can't really say that there was more fear of death. But you know, I have to tell you something. I think taking safety for for uh, uh, for uh, what's the word um, for granted. Yeah. Uh, it isn't. People shouldn't be doing that. They should be finding out. Is there any difference for me or my baby? If I go in for an induction at 37 weeks, right? Uh, any difference in survival rates or uh, or morbidity? Um, <clears throat> and and this is sometimes where we have to begin in our education is that there are different different um, choices, and and you can always find someone that will do it the way you want it done. Which means, you know, if you want an induction at 37 weeks, you can find someone that will do it. <laughs> right. Do uh, I think we both have two questions on this? One is why? Why is the U.S. Uh, messing it up so badly. And uh, a follow-up question to that is, how does one pursue getting this information without setting themselves up for terrifying themselves no matter yeah. what the answer I think is? I think we're really struggling with uh, wanting, wanting, you know, all new, new and expecting parents to be really informed and wanting to avoid this, like, influx of information that can be really scary yeah, and make, yeah. make, make expecting parents really afraid of giving birth. Thank you. Those Fix are great us. concerns. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, the, the thing, uh, uh, let's postpone how we got where we are. Okay. Uh, because that takes us down kind of a morbid track and you don't want to go there, right? <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> but how can parents prepare? You know, the thing that is so, um, is so exciting is how wonderful, how beautifully designed our bodies are to give birth. The, the physiology of birth is a beautiful interplay of hormones and psychological factors and a uterus that knows what it's doing and <laughs> babies that are trying to get out. All these things <laughs> work beautifully in harmony. And so I'll tell you, I would urge parents, rather than going right to why do we have cesareans or what's good about you know induction, I would say, let me find out how this works. Mm. How do babies get born when no one's interfering? How does the natural process unfold? When you know how beautifully this works, and do we, do we know that the baby is the one who starts labor? When the baby reaches a level of maturity, which we at this point think is uh, lung maturity, when the lungs are getting to the point where they could breathe on their own, the baby starts putting out hormones, different hormones than previously, and these will cross the placenta, these will sensitize the uterus to a hormone called oxytocin, and they will start labor. And so the baby, 90% of the time or more, starts labor when the baby is ready. Now, who can improve on that? I think we think we can. Let's just induce. We don't know that there's a difference in the baby from day to day in the late part of pregnancy. But when parents know that, they think, why do I want to interfere with that? It is fascinating that, like, clearly somewhere along the line, those the idea of 
Like the moment you were talking about how your body works and how what an amazing thing that that is, that your body's doing mm-hmm. all that. I think about the culture that we live in, at least in the U.S., of just like, well, how can I pick that apart in a negative way? How can I feel that that is saying something bad about me if, you know, or how can I turn that into something that's not special uh, or something? You sound like you're from Brooklyn. <laughs> Alabama, to be honest. Uh, but like, but there is a, too many places to, to get messed up. But, there... but, but you know, <clears throat> you're making a really good point. And, and think about today's woman, who you, you folks are. I'm today's old woman. But today's woman is... is uh, uh, let's say, we'll say middle-class educated woman, because everybody doesn't have options. Right, right. But she's into yoga, she's into nutrition, she takes good care of her body, and she knows nothing about birth. Right. Yeah. And why does she shy away from that? Uh, you know, uh, but she's the perfect person. I love having those folks in my classes, because <laughs> when they, as they awaken to this, they start to have a lot of respect for another part of themselves that they hadn't really been nurturing or thinking too much about. I do want us to, while we have you on the show, I want to shift to something else that, uh, another discussion that, something that you really focus on. And this is actually uh, how I personally found out about you. Teresa was like, oh my God, Betty Simpkins going to be on the show. (laughs) And I came to you a different way through some of our listeners who wrote in, uh, because I have talked in the past on the show about uh, being raped in college and just how that's played out as a mom and and in my life uh, with kids and just, you know. But we've had some listeners who've written in saying, this happened to me as well, and uh, that's how I found out. They all said, you should talk to Penny Simpkin. <laughs> you need to get her on the show to talk about this. So, and again, for me, you know, it's it's always weird to be, like, this far along in life. Here, in my happy little 40s being like, I had no idea that these things were available to me to learn about and to help myself with. So, on behalf of myself— and all the other uh, women out there and those who are in relationships with women out there who have experienced past trauma, how do we prepare for birth? More importantly, I think as well, how do we prepare for postpartum, uh, which for me was when I experienced a lot of my triggers, uh, more so than the birth process, but I know it's different for everybody. And is is there a way to prepare? First of all, uh, thank you for allowing me to talk about this. Um, it is uh, terribly important, and and uh, you know the best estimates that we have in this country are between 25 and 40 percent of all women have a history of sexual abuse, and uh, about 20 to 25 percent of males. Right. So we're talking uh, a very common uh, event in people's lives or series of events, and um, and it has been a neglected area. Um, and I won't go into the history on that, but it um, it hasn't been recognized that abuse can have an impact on a woman's childbearing, which mm-hmm. seems duh to me. Well, I mean, um, you know, it was not until I only had one doctor ever ask me in my history about that and whoa. then say to me, like when I would you know, find a new doctor, you know, ever say to me, oh, you may, you may, this may come up for you when you have kids. And it, that was such a surprise to me. But you're right. We never bring that up. Right. In right. The, yeah. And it's because people didn't know. 
Right. Uh, it, it's, this is really a fairly recent um, acquisition to our understanding of the impact of sexual abuse on an individual. But the, the you know, how to prepare, this is such a, a hard thing to talk about, but the first thing I would want to say is that it would be abnormal if one's history of abuse has no effect on them as individuals, and especially in one of the most sexual experiences anyone ever has, which is giving birth. Mm-hmm. Often we don't think of that as a sexual experience, but uh, you know we think of it as a medical experience or something like that. But it really involves the sexual parts of the body, sexual feelings. And so if someone has been violated sexually, uh, she may have feelings about uh, her sexual parts, she may have feelings about people in authority, because those are the people that had power over her who hurt her. She may have uh, feelings of vulnerability uh, uh, about uh, pain um, and, and, there are, and, and control issues. Sometimes people who have been abused have learned that if they can just stay in control, they don't get hurt. <laughs> and, you know, and, and birth is one of those experiences where you kind of have to release control to let it happen. So um, I I think it's fair to say that people who have a history of abuse may have, and I'm I'm not saying it always happens, but uh, especially if they've done a lot of work to resolve much of their history, but they they are vulnerable to the possibility of having, in some way, having body memories or, as you say, triggers, um, something that reminds them in some way of the abuse that can come up with vaginal exams, for example. Yeah. But uh, see, caregivers haven't even known for very long, and many of them don't today, uh, that the history of abuse can have some impact psychologically, but also physically. Um, and we have, you know, quite a list of of uh, of uh, factors uh, or, or ways that sexual abuse can impact a person physically, uh, as well as emotionally and in relationships and everything else. Uh, so um, I, I think that an awareness that this could come up, and I uh, I feel like the bearer of bad tidings because many women have worked hard. They've, uh, you know, they're very together, they're very accomplished, they're very capable, and they feel that they've uh, been able to keep the abuse uh, from harming their lives. And then to say, this could come up for you now. Uh, and I think it's partly because of the vulnerability that, we do um, that we have as pregnant and birthing women or people birthing people uh, this takes us to the depths of sensations and emotions that very few other experiences do in our lives and many people feel vulnerable during birth that they never would have felt at other times and so I think it's good to be kind of not just forewarned, because that's only scaring if we just say it could come up, it could come up. But the idea is to have some practical ways to address it. I'm not a psychotherapist. So I do see many abuse survivors, uh, some some before. Uh, you know, in my classes, I tell people, I'm, I, I, I offer to get together with them and talk about this with them if they would like. And I have referrals that come to me. I'm very practical about it. We don't go into a psychoanalysis or mm-hmm. uh, I'm not trying to cure anybody, <laughs> but we go over, okay, these are things that other people have told me are common triggers that can come up during childbirth. And we go through them. I, I describe them neutrally, but bluntly enough that if it's going to be a trigger for her, like being naked, for example, right. uh, nakedness, being seen naked, uh, I could 
you know, I could present that to my client and just say, um, oh, but I think all women are so beautiful. And, you know, and I, I wouldn't allow her to even go there as a trigger. But I don't do that. I'll say, see, see, people will see your sexual parts. And when you imagine that happening to you during labor, how does it make you feel in your gut? You know, not, what are you thinking about it? How does it make you feel? And if she says, ugh, I'll realize, okay, this is a trigger. Yeah. We check it. We figure out what is it about that that makes it a trigger. And then we come up with strategies to avoid it or deal with it. So it's very practical. And I, um, I, I really enjoy doing this with others because I find that they, from having this kind of, uh, what would I say, just anxiety that's just out there some general feelings of anxiety, we pinpoint what it is she's anxious about. And right there, that's a triumph, right there. Yeah. At least I know my demons, one woman said. Right. And then we, we come up with strategies to either avoid them completely or make sure we can deal with them if they come up. And then the same woman said, well, I know my demons and now I've stared them down. And then they enter childbirth with a sense of confidence that this is not going to ruin their birth experience. And it, it truly doesn't have to. Um, and uh, I'm training, you know, Phyllis Klaus is my co-author on our book, and she she is a bona fide psychotherapist, and she taught me a lot. Uh, and we are we, we do train people to give our workshops, because we're both getting old, <laughs> to, to give our workshops and carry the flag a little bit. Um, and uh, we're hoping that people will be doing our type of counseling. You don't have to be a trained psychotherapist to do what we do. And it can be extremely beneficial. So anyway, and if you know, if you don't mind, I'll plug my book, or our book. Phyllis and I wrote the uh, When Survivors Give Birth. It's all in there. <laughs> the triggers are there. The strategies are there. Uh, it's all in there. Uh, so people could do that, or ask a friend to do it with them, or something like that. I, I just it, it's so helpful that this was something that you guys chose to acknowledge and focus on and start working on with people. Penny, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the show. This was really insightful and helpful, and we plan on linking everybody not only to the website uh, so they can learn about the classes and the programs that you offer, but to these books that are helpful and encourage people to read these books. to gain books, some, everyone. Books, guys. Books. Yes. They're great. Oh, can I tell you one other thing? Please. I'm, I'm going to be... I have a, a YouTube channel that's going to be opening yes. in the next couple of weeks. Cool. Yeah. And, Woo. and I'm talking about, you know, all little, just short little snippets about one aspect of birth or another. We will keep an eye on when this comes out, and we'll make sure that we link people up to that as well. Um, thank you again for joining us, and thank you for all of your work uh, on helping women give birth. Thank you well, so much. Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about my passion. <laughs> thank you again. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. Yeah. I know. Now I have to have another baby. <laughs> How does that even you make know what, me want to have a baby? You keep saying that. I'm never going to have another baby, yes. Okay. Before we wrap up, mm-hmm. I think we should have a little bit of a rant. It's been a pretty heavy show. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Okay. I think it's okay. Once in a while, it's okay. Once in a while. Why don't we just polish off with a, with a kind of a heavy rant, guys? Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. This is a, a rant 
and it's one of those rants where it's totally way too emotional. (laughs) I just listened to the most recent episode, and then I went back and listened to the number 43 episode about sleep regression, and it just hit me in all the right places because I have a son who's going to meet a year in just a couple of weeks, and he's amazing amazing, right? Like we go places and he's awesome and he's so good and people love him. And he's super social and it's just great, right? And people stop me. People <laughs> literally stop me and they're like, oh, your baby is so wonderful. What a great baby. And I'm like, yeah, he's so great. And I get home at night and he's so terrible at sleeping. So terrible since three months and it's exhausting and my husband works a job where he's gone for 24 hours, so I'm here by myself, and it's so hard to be here, and I know I'm doing all of the wrong things because I just enable him, but I can't stand to hear him crying, and I do all this stuff, and it's horrible, and and, and I know that I should be being a better mom because I've been ailing this and now he's gone to co-sleeping and now he's in our bed and it's not working and all this stuff. So <laughs> I know this all sounds super horrible and it is horrible right now, but <laughs> listening to those two episodes made me realize that I have to take control over the situation and not let my emotions get away with me and do something about it and listen to your guys' advice better. <laughs> and I appreciate the podcast and I and I know you guys would say to me that I don't need to be a better mom, that I need to just <laughs> do what I feel like is right for me and my situation. And that's what I really appreciate. And so I just wanted to call and let you guys know that because it's really hard sometimes and I feel like <laughs> this group really understands that. So thank you. And I'm sure that in a couple of months, I'll be better for having listened to this episode. I know. First off, you're an amazing mom. Yeah, you are. Second off, our episodes may never help you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay. But I, I pulled this call because... It is so important to remember that – I got to tell you, the moment this people listen to this podcast and listen to this call, listen to your call, they're going to do exactly what I did, which was bawl hysterically, mm-hmm. thinking back to the moment where I was crying hysterically by myself, alone, in my house, dealing with Ellis's sleep issues, not being able to comfort him, not being able to help, and how – absolutely dark and isolating that place is and we have all been there and you are right Teresa and I would absolutely say to you that you are doing a good job yeah. and that you are a good mom and fix it when you're you re- don't need to be a better mom because yeah. you already are a better yeah. mom yeah. you're the best mom for yeah. your kid you're doing such a good job right and you know what and don't think about it as all these failed attempts Mm-mm. these are all wonderful attempts at trying to do something good yeah. for your son put them in the yeah. bed did it work no that's okay but you tried it and that is a sign of a good mom yeah. you know going in rocking for eight hours. That is the sign of a good mom or parent or whatever trying to help their child 
learn to sleep and you will figure it out. Yeah. And even if you know while you're doing those things that they're not working and you're just continuing to do them until you can get to a place where you're able to figure out what the next step is. That is okay. Yes. That is what it takes sometimes. It's totally okay that you, you like, know that it's not working right now and you're just still doing that. It's okay. Yeah. It's really okay. You're going to get there. Yeah. It's all steps. Your instincts are good. You are doing a good job. Yes. Really. As as are all the parents out there, regardless yes. of what your decisions are. You know, I, I we talk a lot. We I feel like we've been on a roll a little bit with people coming on the show and talking about childbirth and all that stuff. And I, I really hope that the takeaway from these sorts of shows are about giving yourself power to make the decision that's right for you. We have got to stop treating childbirth as like a joke and as something yeah. that's, eh, everybody does it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, we just, we've turned, I'm not saying it should be like on a mountain high and yeah. aren't we all like magical vessels. Yeah. But there's a happy medium of yeah. it's okay to want to learn stuff correctly about it. And yeah. It's okay to like want to empower yourself with that. And it's okay if you go to a hospital and it's okay if you have a doula or if you give birth out in the backyard surrounded by swans. Yeah. As and l- it's, I, I agree. And it's, just getting the information does not mean you're becoming judgy. Like, right. do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think oh, we have that's that a good point. We, well, no, I think that's what that that's what this made me think of is just like, you know, it's hard to like get information that makes you feel like one choice might be better than the yeah. other one because it, then it makes you feel like, well, I don't want to discount other people's choices that chose a different thing. <laughs> right. But no, you don't have to be. You don't have to go there with. You know, these these areas are very ripe for people saying, well, I did it this way or I yeah. did it that way. Well, just. Don't buy into that shit and just inform yourself so that you have the information that can help you. I, like, you know example, what I mean? I mean, you can look at Teresa and I are great examples of this. We're we, just great in We're general, just great, so. guys. We're just we're not we're <laughs> great. No issues here. Who farted? <laughs> um, but we had totally different birth experiences. Yeah. And I, I feel no anger towards Teresa when she talks to me about the doula experience and yeah. not using drugs. Yeah. And I, you know, I made the best decisions for myself at that time at that in time. my life. Good and job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's okay that we yeah. made these two decisions. Yeah. Uh, we should just both have babies and swap so yeah. we can compare. Let's do that. Let's do that. Everybody, you are really doing a good job. Yeah, you, you are. really are. <laughs> It's <laughs> such a major win. Um, Teresa? Yes. You are doing a good job. And Thank I am you. so proud of you as a parent and as a person and your boys, and they're going to do so great in school. Thank you. You are doing a really good job. Thank you so much. I really needed that. And you know what, Biz? You're doing a great job, too. I love those fucking fish, guys. <laughs> Everybody hang in there. We are going to talk to you guys next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right.
We'd like to thank Max Fun, Lindsay Pavlis, our engineer, our husbands, Stefan Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Do you have a genius or fail moment you'd like to share on the show? Then leave us a message at 206-350-9485. Full-on rage-induced rants are also welcome. Well, Daddy, baby, fussing by, not blow down Mama's roof. Oh, said Daddy, baby, fussing by, not blow down Mama's roof. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.